Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game-related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. All right. This week, we are going to be diving into our top 23 anticipated games, and then we are actually going to be reviewing a game that I'm super thrilled about, which is Turing Machine. Um, <laughs> it is. It. I That's mean, sarcasm. it's right up there. It, yes. Yep. If you didn't pick up on that, that's what that is. I'm going to talk about it. Don't worry. Not Bob. <laughs> You're going to get a very positive review from one person because if you know from last week doing our top 22 games, this was actually on Natasha's list. So she really liked it. Um, I thought it was hot garbage. So yeah, it'll be interesting to talk about it. But before we get into any of the reviews, you have been playing Pandemic Legacy. Yeah. Season season zero. Oh my gosh, we love it. Me and my son have been playing it. And I've heard it's the best pandemic legacy, and I agree. It's really, really fun. Um, your only complaint, Bob, if I remember correctly, is you thought it was too easy. Yes, that sounds right. Yeah. I it's different. It's kind of got a different um vibe to it than than the typical pandemics because you're fighting these uh red agents instead of disease cubes. Um, and then you've got objectives that you're, you know, trying to hit each month. And if you, you, you know, you start off with just having two objectives, it builds up to three, but if you complete one objective, you move on. So even if you don't complete them both, you move on. So it does feel easier in that sense. Cause it's, it's pretty easy. Uh, we did fail the first month in January, but we've passed every single month. I think we're now on to October the first the first time we played it. So it does feel easier in that sense that that you're able to move on, you know, and maybe you didn't complete both of the objectives or all three of them, but you did one or two. So it, you know, you kind of get that sense, but it's really cool how if you don't complete these objectives, they have consequences. Uh, I like it. It, 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 The theme of it's really cool. You get all this new content that's really exciting. Uh, I won't spoil it because I don't. I won't get into too many details about it because it'll spoil it. But I really, really, really like it. I highly recommend any of the pandemic games. Um, and you don't have to play them in order; it doesn't matter. But they are all kind of connected. Like there's um, certain uh, themes throughout the, all of them that kind of come together, which is really kind of cool. They're fun to play. I liked. I liked season two, even though it was like the least liked one you do a lot of stickering of cards, which is kind of fun and neat. This one, you don't do that. It's a little bit simpler setup, but the objectives are different every month. So that's a little bit more complicated. I don't know. I, I really, really like Pandemic Legacy, like all of them. I think everybody needs to play all of them. What I liked, I think the most about season zero is you had, it felt like you had more choices to make because yes. based on like choices that you would make, different things would happen or not happen, or you would go down slightly different paths. Uh-huh. So that's what I really liked about it. And let's take a second and talk about, because it's technically not a spoiler because you do it as soon as you start, the yeah. passports. Yes. Like, that is just so cool. You get to like make your own people, give them, you know, you know, disguises, mustaches, beards, like long hair, glasses, like all these different things. You're a you're a CIA agent that that that's laid out right in the prologue, and everyone gets these passports with three different aliases. Well, in the beginning, you only start with one alias, but you know you're going to get more, so it's not a spoiler. Um, and and so you yeah, you're going to give your alias these special powers, special disguises, and then then later on in the game, you're going to get new aliases that you can use. And it's cool how you use this passport throughout the whole game. Really cool. Yeah, that was that was some of our most fun is just creating the different passports for people. I thought that it was really entertaining to do that. I liked that a lot. We always played two player and we would each play one character. But this season, I don't know if it's because the passports are so fun or if because the special abilities are so good that we've been playing um, just the two of us. Me and my son have been playing four player games. We each manage two characters. Mm. because yeah we started that we failed the first season in january or the first month of january we only played two and then we're like we really want to use these special abilities we couldn't decide which ones so we're like let's use them all and so we've been playing two characters each surprisingly enough i'm not a fan of that kind of stuff even when you know games for like a you can play pandemic for example regular base pandemic 
solo, so but long. you have to, yeah, you have to run two characters. And I'm just not, for whatever reason, I'm just not into games that force you to take on additional responsibilities outside of the one character. If it works for you guys, awesome. For me, mm-hmm. it was just, I never really thought about it. You know, I just was rather just take care of the one person, you know. We, what we do is we each play two and we, every single time we put them in the same spots in front of us, we play the same two in the same order. And then like my, my son will go first and he'll play his two characters and then I'll play my two characters. So we do that so that we don't get confused about going and going back and forth too much. I think it works really great. And I think even if I played it solo, I recommend playing this game. And I know it's really hard to play with other people to get people to commit to a minimum of 12 games. But I think it's just as fun solo and you could play it solo with two, three or four characters. You can just decide, you know, if you if you want the low maintenance, two characters is still low maintenance enough where it's easy to keep track of where you can play it solo. And I'd recommend that if you have trouble getting a group together to commit to playing it with you. I think it'd be just as fun solo with just playing two or or you play all four characters. Yeah, this game is really solid. It's it's an excellent experience. I know a lot of people initially the i think it's calmed down a little bit with the whole it you know you'd play it and then you're done and you can't go back to it but i think the overall experience really is what makes these games worth it is the experience that you have yeah and every month you're opening new things you're opening up boxes and you know opening up new content and you're adding stickers to the board it's so fun it's just fun you never really know who's quite on your side and who isn't. Yeah, it's yeah, it keeps you guessing. This story is really good, actually. This so this one comes with a debrief book. So at the end of every objective, whether you failed it or succeeded, you read this little debrief. You have to find the debrief and read it, and then it gives you more things. So it feels like your actions have consequences. They have you fill out this personnel file uh, where you keep track of like they you ask questions and then. The, they score you on it, and then later in the game, based on how you answered, you have to read other um, things in the debrief, which may give you uh, restrictions or advantages. You don't know what you're choosing. You don't know who to trust. There's there's a really good story there. Yeah, there's psych- psychological questioning that affects how much leeway the CIA gives you, essentially. Uh-huh. And like- yeah, it's good. And you don't know who to trust so that so you can like choose to write up a report. Like, do you want this this report to go back to the CIA or do you want this report with like let you know less information in it? And so you pick one, you put it in the intelligence folder, and then later you have to open up the intelligence folder and like you get to do things based on which cards you put in there. It, it's like feels like everything has consequences. It didn't feel like that in season two. Like it felt like even if you failed your missions, then they let you open it up anyways, because you had to like continue the game along. For this, it feels like you're really branching off. I don't, I don't know how different it'd be if we had chosen different ones. I don't know, but... I would say the biggest difference between the three of the games, specifically like two between two and zero, two is an exploration game. That's where the fun comes in, is exploring the map, unlocking different sections of the map, because you have such a small area that you start with, mm-hmm. and then you're able to expand into a much bigger area. So for me, that's where the fun was, was that expansion piece. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this one, it was just all that, you know, espionage kind of Cold War era, just, you know, storyline and fun that came out of Zero. Yeah. I think if you've never done any of them, I'd still, I probably would recommend season one just because it's the most like pandemic and it would be the easiest jumping into point. You know, you don't have to ever have played Pandemic to play it because the first game, the prologue before you start getting into it is just base Pandemic. But then each time you open up a box, you get additional rules, additional content, you know, things to manage. But you don't jump really into it really heavy where the other two are are very different. You know, so you get a little bit more of a learning curve, I suppose. Not terribly hard. You could do any of them. But if you haven't played any of them, I highly recommend checking out Pandemic Legacy. For sure. Agreed. All right, let's talk about Turing Machine, one of Ugh. the best games of 2022, hands do we have down. To, do we have to talk about this game? We do have to talk about it because people are going to love it. You Okay, you're going to either love it or hate it. I don't think there's a middle ground here. Unlikely. Either this game clicks for you and you think it's amazing or it doesn't click for you and you think it's hot garbage. And there's a right answer here. All right, so this game is designed by Fabian Griddle and Johan Levitt. The art is by Sebastian Bezos, which I would hard to say it's art. I'd say more graphic design. 
Um, it's published by Scorpion Mask. So Turing Machine is a straight deduction game where you are racing to solve the three-digit code. You select a three-digit number, the digits can only be one through five, and test it against the machine. You select the corresponding cards that are associated with your number. Each card has these little holes in it, like a punch card, and you lay them on top of one another so that there is only one hole left. Then you test the number against the three, uh, three different criteria cards that you've got in the game by laying the cards over the verification card, and you'll either get a green check mark or a red X. Then you can either solve the code based on the responses you've gotten, or you can select a new number and test it against three criteria again, either the same or different ones. Uh, and this continues until you know the number. What makes this game so challenging is the criteria cards. They are not straightforward. For example, nope. it might say that the yellow number, which will always be the second digit of the three-digit numbers, is either three, greater than three, or less than three. So if you test a number with that criteria and you get a green check, it doesn't mean that your number is correct. It means that your number matches that criteria. Some of them are pretty simple to grasp, but some of them are really hard. Um, you can you kind of start off on the easy ones and you kind of work your way up. So what didn't you like about it, Bob? Because uh, hmm, what didn't I like about this game? The deduction part. Yeah. So my mind just doesn't work that way. It, it for whatever reason. Um, my mind just doesn't click when it comes to that kind of logical thinking for whatever reason. Considering how detail-oriented I am in normal life, like you would think I would be naturally gifted at a game like this, but I just it doesn't click. For whatever reason, I just don't like these kinds of games. And um, for me, it is 100% straight deduction. You have no other choice but to you know take the information and try to figure out. There's no like luck of the draw, you might get some information that somebody else doesn't have. You know, it's mm -hmm. all based on the decisions you make. I will say the concept is cool. I I agree that you grab those three cards, you put them together, you have one slot open, you set it on the card, and it'll give you that check mark or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. I think it's a cool concept. But aside from that, any game that makes me feel dumb, I'm out. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't it just doesn't work. And part of it is, especially when you play that type of game with people who are good at it. Like I played it with you and Jeremy and you guys both love deduction games. Yeah. And there's there's a possibility of doing nine tests within the game, right? So you have the side, you have this little piece of paper and it shows nine slots in which you can write down how you've done it. We did three and I was like, all right, I think number one is three. And then Natasha's like, I got it. And then Jeremy's <laughs> like, wait, what? And then he started looking at his thing. He's like, oh yeah, I think I got it too. And I'm like, you gotta be like, come on. Well, we did play an easy level, so you're not going to need all nine slots. Thanks huh. for that. That made me feel that makes me feel even better knowing we played easy and I still messed it up as bad as I did. All right. So as a cooperative game, I agree. It's not a good cooperative game. This this game really is a solo experience. You should play it against with yourself. And, and then then you um, use the app and you plug in how many times it took you to get that. And then it tells you if you beat the robot. I consistently lose to the robot. So I don't know how the robot figures it out so fast, but I don't care about that. It's I a just, robot. It's like <laughs> I just play it's a it, different set of intelligence. And if it it's takes AI. me nine tries to figure it out, that's how long it takes me to figure it out. I have fun. I think this is a solo game only. Don't play it to play it with other people because it, there's no sense in playing it against other people. You know what I mean? Because then you don't get to finish it. Somebody else fin plays it and gets it and then you don't get to finish it. And the satisfaction comes from finishing it and solving it on your own. That that's the other thing. It's interesting because I think I heard I heard this come up in um, I want to say it's the Secret Cabal Gaming podcast. They had talked often about the the feeling of not completing the game, and that's so true in a game like this. If my game was incomplete because I wasn't able to deduce what's going on, as soon as somebody does it, the game ends. Yeah. And the thing is, there's not the only interaction in that game that it had was literally this. Hey, Natasha. Grammy uh one two four. Yeah, that's not an interaction. Okay. Yeah. Hey Jeremy, Jer Jeremy, grab me, grab me that card, please. Thank you. That's what the interaction was. Other than that, it was a solo experience. This is a super cool puzzly game that you should play by yourself and not against other people. Or if you do play it, like I really wanted to show it to you. And so my plan with with playing it was like, we're just gonna play it until all of us solve it. 
you know, yeah, you, okay, there's a winner, whoever solves it first, cool. But at least let those other players like continue playing it until they solve it because that's where the fun is in solving it. Yeah, and then I threw a hissy fit and crumpled like, no, up the I'm paper. Done. I'm out. Fine. I'm out. Yeah. Nope. That's okay. Nope. I just wanted you to be able to play it at least once, so you could have an opinion. I knew you weren't going to like it. I'm not surprised. Ugh. Why did so, I even? Ugh. So who's this game for? Who's going to like it? If you're like, oh, I'm not sure if I'll like it. If you like deduction games, you will like this game. It is straight deduction. If yeah. you don't like deduction games, or you don't like games with deduction or the deduction part of games. You probably won't like this game. Um, some of the negatives with it, it's um, a lot to set up and to take down because you've got all these cards you got to put back in order. Um, it'd be nice if they did a virtual implementation of the game. But I, then I think it would lose its charm because what makes it neat is the, the, pun- the punch hole, like the, the Turing machine aspect of it over you've got these punch cards and you lay them over top. And that's what makes it charming. I think as a game, as a digital game, it just wouldn't be that interesting because you're just guessing, you know, it's just just a wordle you know type of thing yeah you wouldn't even you wouldn't need the cards at all no it is surprising that it comes with this nice little like thing that you can set all the cards in but you have to actually take them out every single time you put them back into the box yeah that's a little weird yeah yeah it comes in a nice little stand that yeah it's not convenient um so it's fiddly it takes a little bit to set up but you know if i get it out and play it i'm gonna i try to play it as many times as i can but it also like each time you play it you gotta take all the you, there's this huge stack of the verification cards that are in order. So you have to find them, take them out. And then when you're done, you have to put them back in order. So that's a little fiddly. Um, but I think overall, it's totally worth it. It's a really unique experience, a really unique puzzle. If you like playing puzzles, like if you like doing Sudoku, you know, any kind of puzzles that you can work on your own, this is really, really good and totally worth checking out. It's totally worth the fiddliness of setting it up and putting it away. Um, I really, really like it. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. I'd say the the 10, maybe it wouldn't be a 10 just because of how much work it is to set up and take apart. You know, the funny thing is I like Sudoku. I actually enjoy it. I have it on my phone and I play it. Hmm. Weird. So if you like Sudoku, doesn't mean you're going to like this game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Maybe I bet you'd like it if you played it by yourself. I think what I really need to do is just play these types of games more. That's the biggest thing is I just don't because I just, it doesn't interest me. You know, doesn't, I like figuring out other things like a Vital Lacerda 4.9 out of 5 heavy rating. Ooh, sign me up. I'm down for that. But a game like Turing Machine, nah, I don't know. What just, or Search for Planet X even. You know, I'd try it just because I know you could technically win without actually finding the planet, but. But you need to find out other things. Yeah. So, so you, don't have, you don't have to find the planet, but you have to find out other things. So you have to, you have to sure. do something there, Bob. It is yeah. straight deduction. I guess. Planet, that's planet, um, planet, planet X. Search for Planet X. Anyways, that's Turing Machine. Highly, highly recommend it. If you like deduction game, then check this game out. It's, it's a fun little solo experience. All right, there you have it. Uh, that's it for games right now. Uh, we're going to take a quick break because when we come back, we are going to be doing our top 10 anticipated 2023 releases. Woo-hoo. See you right after the break. Welcome back, friends. We are now going to be diving into our top 10 2023 anticipated games. Um, was there a lot of things on your list before you got set down? Did you have a lot of things in your mind? thinking about the next year that you're excited about like the the games Mm -hmm. the thing is like because of like kickstarter and stuff like that i usually have some games that i know are coming yeah um but i also put down games that like i don't think they're gonna show up like there's games on my list that i'm just like i'm really excited for this and it's a 2023 release but it's unlikely to show itself (laughs) But that's just the nature of games, I guess. Yeah, it's not a complete list because most things that are on this list like are, you know, Kickstarter games. You know, you're not getting your regular straight to retail games like we don't know about those yet. So and a lot of those Kickstarter games are a lot of them are not my necessarily my style. So it was a little harder for me. I had a couple in mind that I thought of before I sat down to make this list. But I kind of pulled a lot of them right from Board Game Geek when I went went and just searched for um, anything that came out in the, this year and that looked interesting to me. 
I did the same thing. I went on I went on the Board Game Geek and I did whatever 2023 releases and then I kind of ranked them by ranking. But then I noticed that there was games I'm like I thought they were coming out this year that weren't on the ranking list. So then mm-hmm. I had to arrange by like people who have given votes and then it populated some different titles for me to look at. So uh, yeah, it's I don't know, it's interesting. We'll see. We'll see how it is, but it I it does feel like most of the games on there are kickstarters from like a year or two ago you know they're not it's hard to know specifically some of the games like a, a good example is stonemeyer more than likely is going to have something new coming out and i have no idea what it is yeah Do i just put down a stonemeyer game because i'm interested <laughs> in it no probably not because i don't know what it is <laughs> before we get into the top 10 do you have any honorable mentions that you want to talk about there's one in particular that i want to really talk about All right, about. you tell us yours i do not have any all right. I had a hard uh, time coming up with 10. Fair enough. Uh, I got 20. So I ended up making a list of 20. But the nice. one in particular I want to talk about is Escape from New York. This was a Kickstarter. And I'm like, I, I didn't back it because I didn't know if it would actually be good or not. But I'm really excited to to see if that game is any good so I can take the role, take on the role of Snake Plissken trying <laughs> to like had to get Escape out of New York. Like that, Those movies were my jam. Growing oh, was it up, a I movie? Lo- yeah, Escape from New York was a movie, uh, and so and then they did a sequel, which was Escape from L.A. So mm-hmm. basically, the premise is New York isn't New York anymore; it's just like a prison, and this plane is flying over, gets knocked down. I believe the president that he had to go anyway. Snake Plissken's like this this roguish Han Solo type, like anti military, used to be military, but now does his own thing kind of guy, and he goes, yeah. Anyway, Kurt Russell. Yeah, it's it was my jam back in the day. So I'm really <laughs> I'm really excited for Escape from New York. So it didn't make my top ten, but it definitely was on the list. I just hope to I hope I hope it's actually good. <laughs> I don't know, Bob. <laughs> yeah, it probably won't be, but you know what? Like they almost got me too, because it, it was a Kickstarter. You, know, you almost got me, but I don't know. <laughs> Something like that's tough. You never know if the IP is gonna be any good. But anywho, yeah. Let's uh let's get into our top ten. What is your number 10? My number 10 is Maple Valley. This is like a sequel to uh, Creature Comforts. And it looks just as cute and just as adorable. I liked that game quite a bit. This looks like it's a, uh, you know, same type of theme, but different mechanics. So this is hand management, set collection. Uh, The artworks look similar. The characters, the meeples all look similar. Looks like it's got a lot of the similar iconography, but just a different game. So I'm excited to try this one out. It's not on my list, but I definitely keep an eye on the Kid Table Board Games company because uh, like Power Plants just got uh, released. Not like nuclear generator power plants, but like, you know, like plants, like like a flower type thing. It just got oh, released. Yeah. Um, that looks the artwork has always looked really good in those games. Uh, mm-hmm. This this didn't make my list, but it was on it was one of the 20 that I included. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in what they're doing. Yeah, that's my number 10, Maple Valley, a cutesy little woodland creature game. My number 10 is a game from coming up from Mind Clash, which is Septima. This is a competitive uh, strategy game where the theme is based around witchcraft. Uh, as players, you're going to be a leader of your coven. Uh, you're trying to basically prove your worth. And uh, yeah, so this has like simultaneous action selection. You're you're just doing a variety of different things in this game. At least that's what it looks like. Obviously, I haven't played it, but it's a it's a game for Mind Clash. And whenever Mind Clash has a game out, I'm interested in to see what they're doing because I always mm-hmm. think they're doing some interesting stuff. And this is just basically their next one in line. So yeah, I'm I'm interested in it. That's for sure. It looks pretty. I will say that I haven't looked too much into it. But I do like the look look of it, despite it being fantasy mythology. That that's kind of why it's not on my radar. You're not. It's not. It's not fantasy. You're part of like a witch's cavern. That's like what's witch? Witches aren't fantasy. I mean, I guess, but it's that's like it's less fantasy. It can be far more modern. I mean, I mean, like the Salem witch trials, right? So modern. It's not yeah, necess- that's what I think of when I think of witches. Whatever. I'm just saying <laughs> it does. It's not technically fantasy well it's not high fantasy let's say that it's not high fantasy that's what you just i don't know what it is if it's not fantasy what what would witches be okay that's what i'm saying it's fantasy it's not high fantasy you don't like high fantasy like fighting goblins and exactly uh, high fantasy 
High fantasy. Yeah. I don't know how I many times I have to keep it. saying high fantasy for you to understand. I don't know what that even means. High but... fantasy is like D and D, where you're dealing with stuff like that. Fantasy in general is, you know, deals with a lot of like supernatural stuff. So yes, technically witches would be part of fantasy, but it's not high fantasy. You despise high fantasy. Actually, I'm looking at this game and it looks very Euro-y. And so now I'm kind of excited and I like the artwork a lot. So, okay. Yeah. It's supposed to be a, it's supposed to be very, uh, interactive, strategic. It's supposed to be pretty solid, but Mind Clash usually does a pretty solid job. I would say overall, I would, I would play this. I would try it. So my number 10, Septima. All right. My number nine is called Seed. It's a little game about planting, and it's it's puzzly, and that's really what caught my eye. You on your turn, you have um, so you have a little field that's represented by a four by four grid, and then you can plant, uh, dig or you can dig, sow, irrigate, or harvest, um, and and then new field cards come out, and so it just looks like a nice little puzzly game, something not too heavy. It's a uh, eight plus thirty minutes, um, cutesy. I'm interested. This kind of looks a little bit like Tiny Towns when you look yeah. at the pictures of it. You know, it kind of mm-hmm. gives me Tiny Town vibes. Yeah. And I think you're really limited on what you can do and you kind of have to figure it out. And it seems right up my alley. This is a Natasha game for sure. It's planting. Anytime, anytime there's any sort of planting, it's I'm surprised. <gasps> Ooh, that? Yeah. I'm yeah. You're on, <laughs> you're on board for that one. Sign me up. It's got these pictures of like um, what looks like a roll and write. I don't think it's a roll and write. But it's got I got a drawing of things that are written in, so that's what I was like, well, what, what's that? You know, that's why I caught my eye. That is my number nine seed. All right, my number nine is a game called Ice. I it's capital I C E with a space in between. It's not actually spelled out. If you're trying to search for this on Board Game Geek, that's going to be pretty tough. I did find it, but I had to type I space C space E. <laughs> Yeah, so that's the way you have to find it. And then there's a a bunch of things that populates or whatever. But So this game looks really interesting because what you do is it's like the exact opposite of a tile placement game. So you're going to build up uh, this formation with different tiles on top of each other. And then you're going to be digging down, removing tiles and exposing things underneath. I think it's a really cool concept. Um, this also was a Kickstarter game. I didn't back it, but it looked cool. It looks gorgeous. Yes, a hundred percent. The art it does. is really, really stunning. It's got this really nice, clean look where it's really kind of simple but bright colors. I really like the art. If you like artwork that has a lot of straight lines, I don't. I'm not an artist, so I don't know exactly what kind of artwork specifically that entails. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot. Of, they use a lot of like geometric shapes. So like the box cover has ice written on it, but then it has a light beam that's like a triangle and a bunch of these trapezoidal pieces. And either way, it seems like a really cool concept. You're digging into there, finding stuff and everything like that. Um, so this one really caught my eye and I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see how good it is when it comes out. Yeah, it's hard to tell because all they have is pictures of the artwork. So I can't see anything about the game, but so it could, you know, who knows? One of the images has like a tabletop simulator overhead shot, so you can kind of see it, but I don't know. I don't really do much with tabletop simulator. I just don't like the the interface of it. It just doesn't click with me, but. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm optimistic because I love the artwork so much. Well, well it's not Clemens Franz, so, you know, it's going to be <laughs> it's what it's going to be. really beautiful. <laughs> yes. All right. That is my number nine, Ice. All right, my number eight is called Last Light. So this is designed by Roy Canaday from the Dice Tower, and they did demo it on their show where they they played it. Or I shouldn't say demoed it. They played it on the show, and it looked really cool. So you got simultaneous action selection. Everyone reveals a card at the same time, and then everyone does that action, which I really like that mechanic, and I do really like space theme. It looks really cool. Um, He said it's like a space exploration game in done in an hour which to me sounds exciting a 4x game yeah done in in an hour yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i'm not a huge fan of 4x because they're so big and long so this is definitely one i want to check out and play this was also on my uh on my list of 20 i'm i'm interested in it too so any anytime you can get a 4x game in an hour i'm really interested to be honest i'm skeptical but I've heard a lot of positive things. He's play tested a ton of it. So I've seen him obviously going out there and testing it with people. So 
yeah, hopefully it's solid. Yeah, I don't expect it to be completely like a 4X, which is fine with me because I'm not a big fan of those style games, not just because they're long, I don't, but but it looks like just a fun, quick uh, game set out in space. Yeah, that's my number eight, Last Light. My number eight is Hegemi Lead Your Class to Victory. Hopefully I said that right. I don't know if I said that right. I know, either way. Uh, another Kickstarter game. Uh, this one's interesting because it the player powers are specific classes within uh society so like it's an asymmetric like uh like an economic game and i think it's for the most part you know card driven but when you play you're going to play as different so different factions so one fact one player is going to play let's say the working class one player is going to play the middle class huh. one player is going to play the capitalist class and then i think it can go up to four and i think the fourth is like the state that you can play um, so it just seems like a super interesting concept. A political, economic, card-driven board game. There you hmm. go. Interesting. That's a unique theme. Um, I will say it looks really good. I like the look of the board, the color scheme. It's really kind of, um, I wouldn't say minimalistic, but there's not a lot of like beautiful artwork, but I still really like the clean look of the board. Yeah, it's super clean. I, again, this is one of those games that I think the Kickstarter was last year, so I don't even know if it's going to come out, honestly. Yeah, it looks like a really big production, that's for sure. And it's supposed to be, like, it's going to be long, too, if I remember correctly. I think, uh, let me see, playtime up to 180 minutes. That's pretty long. Yeah, and there's voting in it. Hmm. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It is weird to play a class, though. Yeah, I'm I'm curious how they're going to do that. And then how are you going to be able to, how are you going to do if you're only playing two-player? Do you get to pick the class you're going to play? Are all four classes, you know, represented in the game? It'll it'll be interesting how they uh how they put all that together, but Yeah, I'm definitely intrigued. We'll see. Yeah. My number 8, Hegemi, Lead Your Class to Victory. All right. My number 7 is Pampiro. This is um developed by Vita Lacerda. It looks like one of his games. It's uh, got artwork by Eno to it's gorgeous. It's about windmill farms. Um, it's going to be a heavier style game like like Lacerda games are. So hopefully I'll get a chance to play it. These are always tough to get played, but I always am interested in it. Um, I like this style a lot. This is, it looks like just a regular, like economic Euroe game. It's hand management. Um, I don't know too much about it, except for that. It, I always like these games and want to check them out. They're, they're beautiful and they're really like meaty and crunchy and i i like that they're just harder to play because of how heavy they are they can be a, a bear to get to the table especially if it it's you know significant amount of time again 150 minutes that's that can be definitely a long game but yeah it does look cool and i like i really love how we're branching away and doing some really unique themes i have one game coming up in on my list that is such an incredibly unique theme that I'm I'm totally on board with it, and I really like the fact that we're doing this. So you saw the Vital Lacerda to do Weather Machine. Mm-hmm. You know, you got this windmill game. Yeah, look, yeah, I'm I'm excited about, for the themes. You build a wind farm and then expand and improve your grid to master the energy market. So maybe it's like the the new modern version of Power Grid, but probably you know not same mechanics, but the same theme, but actually like looks good. Yeah, which is cool. That's my number seven. Pampiro. All right. My number seven is another Mind Clash game, Voidfall. And yeah, uh, it's Mind Clash. What am I going to say? Like, did you think that this wouldn't be on my list? Probably not. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was, it was bound to be on there. Again, I'm, hope, I'm hopeful that these actually release this year. Uh, I mean, I don't know. A 4X style game with Euro mechanics is essentially what this is offering. Oh, so I really like Eclipse, and part of the reason why I like Eclipse is it offers a 4x experience, but then still has a lot of uh, Euroe mechanics with managing, you know, how much you can do with the discs on the bottom of your board being placed out. I really enjoy that aspect of it. So I'm really hoping Voidfall is going to take, you know, the Euro concept in a 4x game and just expand upon it and make it really interesting. I'm hopeful. That that's what it's going to do. It's got a gorgeous look. I feel like I'm saying that for all these games. Yeah, it's Ian O'Toole. I mean, that's the thing yeah. with like artwork these days is like the artwork has just been so good 
So when a game like I was actually we had game night recently and I was talking to uh, some of the employees and we were talking about Ready, Set, Bet because I hadn't played it yet. And I, mm-hmm. we were just dogging the like look of it, of how terrible it looks mm-hmm. compared to some of these some of these new games coming out. They just look good. Even these cards look cool. Yeah, I would 100% play this game. It's got a super cool looking sci-fi theme. It looks really good, actually. Just because it's so gorgeous. Like, who doesn't want to stare at this for two hours? Yeah, right? Well. Maybe three hours. uh, 200, up to 240 minutes. (laughs) Up to four hours. That's four hours. (laughs) I know. I'll still play it. Yeah. Oh, it's got a weight of 4.4 out of five. Yes, it is. So that's what, that's the other thing that like, I really, I'm so glad I backed this game. You didn't back it? I did, for sure. Okay. Um, it's Mind Clash, and man, yeah, four point four three. This looks... game is gonna be crunchy, and a four X game crunchy. Oh, sign me up! I just want to be done after four hours and just go to sleep because I'm gonna be so like spent. Yeah, I think it's gonna be worth it. It really looks good. Ian O'Toole, man, he's up there. He's God, yeah, he's, he is. yeah. Ian O'Toole artwork is so good. But yeah, that is my number seven, Voidfall. All right, my number six is Unlock Kids stories from the past i loved the unlock kids version the the mystery one i think it was and so this one's stories from the past they kind of go back in history it looks super cute it came out this year in french and so next year it's coming out in english and this is this will be an instant buy for me i will 100 percent pick it up and play it with my son because i think the unlock kids games are the best of all the unlock series these ones are really good and i can't wait to check out this version this new one yeah i should get i should start on these is what i should do uh fun fact i did buy actually some exit games i bought one exit game i should say uh to try out so i'm actually kind of pumped to give it a go but yeah Mm. some of these unlock kids games i should probably give them a go yeah yeah i highly recommend them for kids they're they're fun like in all they just they're they're easy to figure out they're really well produced the artwork's adorable and they're just a lot of fun that's my number six unlock kids stories from the past all right, my number six is Sleeping Gods Distant Skies. This is a follow-up to Sleeping Gods. I mean, I we reviewed it. I reviewed it. You know how much I loved that exploration piece of it. So this is just, it's a sequel to Sleeping Gods. And if it's anything like Sleeping Gods, I'm going to be interested in this 100%. So it's a standalone game? It is. It's a, it's, it's, it's almost like a, like a sequel. So it's just set in the same world? I believe it's in the same world, but now instead of being on a boat, you're on a plane. So it just expands upon that universe that he's created. And the thing is, artwork, 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 artwork. We keep talking about it. And that's also part of the reason why we mentioned the artists in our reviews is because the artwork has gotten so good over the last like handful of years. I love Ryan Lockett's artwork, and I love just being immersed in the worlds that he creates. So again, with the story element... Everything that's going on, another version of Sleeping Gods, I'm in. So take my money. Yeah, you you did kickstart this, right? No, I did not. Actually, you did. I think it was a game found. I don't think it was. I don't think it was kickstart. No, I didn't. You'll be able to get it in retail, I'm sure. That's the, yeah, and that's part of the thing is certain. Like I'm more willing to kickstart or game found games that I know won't be released. Like for example, Mind Clash. While they do do it, it's not as like easy to get a hold of, or even. Um, Awaken Realms games, typically they're Kickstarter only-ish, kind of asterisked, but no, this one I know I can get, um, so I didn't back it, but I'm, I'm pumped for it. So yeah, my number six, Sleeping Gods, Distant Skies. All right. My number five is Race to the Raft. This is a follow-up to um, Isle of Cats, which I love Isle of Cats. Um, this would have been my number one. However, it is a cooperative game. So that's what wah, brought it down just wah, a little bit. <laughs> but the reason why I'm still excited about it is that it's hidden information. So you have a deck of cards and and you're all working together to like create paths for these kitties to get off the island before the island catches fire. And so you all have to work together to save the kitties, uh, which is cute. Uh, but you have cards that you can play and you don't know each other. You don't know the other people's cards that they have in their hand. So I like, I really like co-op games with hidden information. So and I'm I love Isle of Cats, and I'm kind of excited about this one, even though it's a cooperative game. 
I mean, it looks cool. I'm I'm down to play it for sure. You know, I love cooperative. You had me at cooperative. Cooperative tile <laughs> placement. Yeah, sign me up. I'm done. Yeah, it's got a little polyaminal. I didn't actually see this when I was going through the games. For this, didn't hit the list. It's like path building tile placement puzzly. So it looks like something I would like. Eight plus, I could play it with my son. I'm interested to see what you're gonna, how you're going to, how you'll like this game, considering I it's. Do like family cooperative games because I can play them with my family. I like those ten. I like more that weight of cooperative games better than like the heavier ones that we'd play at board game night. Yeah. All right, that is my number five race to the raft. Uh, my number five is. Aridia, the paths we dare tread. So this is, uh, the best way I can describe it is, imagine Zaya Legends of the Drift system, but in a fantasy setting. So it's an open world campaign-based cooperative role-playing game. So this is this is 100%, it's, it was the spiritual successor, or is going to be somewhat of the successor to Zaya Legends of the Drift system. It's the same people who did Zaya. Um, I mean, you know I love campaign games. You know I love fantasy, high fantasy. You know I like cooperative, campaign-based. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah, no, I'm going to pass on this one. That's a no from me, dog. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited for this game. It even looks like the cover just looks like 90s fantasy. Like, the art is pretty. I do like the painting. It is prettier, but, like, the... um, the border they have at the bottom just screams like a 90s fantasy. There's slightly customizable uh, miniatures in it. Like you can remove the heads or whatever and put different heads on different bodies and stuff. It's pretty interesting. So yeah, sure. either way, I'm uh, I'm <laughs> I'm excited for it. So again, Kickstarter, please deliver on time in 2023. Go you. So that is my number five, Aridia, The Paths We Dare Tread. My number four is The Fox Experiment. This is designed by Elizabeth Hargrave, who also did Wingspan, which I love. I was a little hesitant because I didn't love Mariposas as much, although I liked it. Um, But I've just been hearing more and more about it, and I'm getting more and more excited about it. Um, First of all, there's lots of dice, which I like, and you're breeding these foxes. And then when you breed them, you take out this dry erase marker and, and like add these traits to the cards. And then, you know, the fox has pups, and, and then you kind of you know, creating these different types of fox breeding. And I think it seems kind of interesting. I like the theme that it's unique and different. I like her games in general. So I'm kind of excited about this one. Yeah, it was on my uh, short list as well. But it it's, again, it's because of the designer. Overall, the theme mm-hmm. and the aesthetic just doesn't, and for whatever reason, it didn't quite work for me. And I think it's also a Pandasaurus game, yep. which I'm a little... Uh, a little sketchy on right now but for the most part like because it's elizabeth hargrave like yeah i want to i want to play it and i want to try it out just again wingspan was really good mariposas i thought was solid it was just again it because it was after wingspan Mm -hmm. i think the people thought it was a letdown but for the most part i thought it was a pretty decent game so yeah yeah it was fine it was it was good i shouldn't say it was fine it was good this one's got a lot of dice which look kind of fun yeah you're trying to roll in, like, create these different traits. So you want to breed these foxes to get these traits that you need. Um, I think it looks it looks like it's kind of right up my alley. You know what she does that I really, really like is it's kind of parallels Genius Games a little bit. Genius Games makes games specifically based on science, but still makes them good. Like Genotype, um, Cytosis, they, they create these games that educate you based on, you know, different science themes. Elizabeth does a really good job of incorporating or creating games that really feel like you're gaining information about what you're playing. So like Mariposas is a prime example. That's based off of actual flight patterns of butterflies. Yes. You know, it's not just, oh, this is what we're going to do. Like, no, it's legit. She has researched it and it like puts you into that. So it teaches you some too. And I really like that. Yeah, I do too. Her themes are very sciencey and interesting but but they don't feel like they're educational games because that's just the theme of them it's not the point you know the point isn't that you're learning the, the but she really has a way of you couldn't redo this game with a different theme it just wouldn't work you know especially mariposas and it looks like this one as well all right that is my number four the fox experiment 
All right, my number four is the game that I mentioned earlier about the really unique theme that I'm super interested in, and that is Unconscious Mind. This is from Fantasia Games. They're the ones that brought Endless Winter. Um, so they kickstarted this recently. It was probably the last couple of months they put this on Kickstarter. And because of how much I enjoyed Endless Winter, I was very interested in what this game did. But I think the biggest thing is the theme is about like Freudian psychology. Yeah. So you're part of this society um, and you're tr- it's like worker placement, engine building, stuff like that. But your goal is to like, you know, establish a practice, grow clientele, like delve into your client's problems based on like Freudian thought and theory. And that to me is such a unique, interesting theme, partly because one of my minors in college was psychology. I re- it's always fascinated me. And on top of that, my my wife is a mental health professional. She owns her own private counseling practice. So, you know, last year we did in the you know mental health month, we interviewed a lot of mental health professionals. So this game, it's just so unique in its theme. And again, because of Fantasia and how well they did with Endless Winter, I'm really hoping that this is a super solid game. That yeah. said, I put it on this list because it said it's coming out in 2023. I doubt it. I completely doubt it. I'd be surprised if we saw it in 23. The Kickstarter just ended a couple of months ago. Looking at the artwork, first of all, it's gorgeous. It's a beautiful yep. artwork. It ma- but it makes Andrew me Andrew Bosley, Vincent Dutray. <gasps> yes. Like, well, and the way that they use their artwork where they have Vincent Dutray artwork is very different style than, yep. than Andrew Bosley's. And the way that they, o- they put them on top of each other and not, it's really, really cool. But it looks like, from the artwork and the cards and stuff, it looks like it's a style of game like Mysterium, Dixit style, but it's not. It says nope. it blends worker placement, engine building, action programming, and this is why Bob likes it, multiple rondelles. <laughs> that, your goal that is to match your therapeutic techniques, establish a practice, and grow your clientele. This is literally a game for Ashley, all about creating a practice. I know. This is... I like, oh man, I saw this. I'm like, done. Just, yeah, Rond- you had me at Rondell's, but then when you just incorporated everything else, it's such a cool theme. Such a cool theme. It looks like, like I'm a, so excited about it. It looks this. like a decently heavy, you know, mechanical game. Yes. With just gorgeous artwork. Yeah. Wow. This looks beautiful. And it's my number four. So, you know, the next three are going to be amazing. Yeah. I, am, uh, I do know. really want to play this game. You're right. Oh, I, 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 like I said, I, I backed it as soon as I saw it. This is, yeah, 100% this is a game that I think is going to be, me and my wife are going to play. The Vincent Dutre and Andrew Bosley, are you oh, kidding me? Like the two of them, like gorgeous. Everdell artists with, man, yes, sign me up. So good. So excited for this game. But that is my number four, Unconscious Mind. All right. My number three is called Age of Rome. Um, the The cover is what spoke to me, what drew me in. It's a white cover with a, uh, profile of a person and uh, colored in the profile is like a city, you know, like grass and sky and stuff. And it reminds me of like a Paper Tales cover. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's got that white theme with the beautiful artwork on it. It looks super cute. Really, it was the art that kind of sold me. But it, it but it's like a um, city building economic game. It does have a little bit of area majority influence. So we'll see how if I like that. But it just looks like kind of a midway Euroy game that is something I like, and that and I think I think it drew to me because I like Euros, but it's not. I like them when they're colorful, and this one is colorful. It's not beige. It has a really nice look to it. Yeah, it does look pretty cool. What is interesting is there's like a main central board, and there's like uh, think of it as like a, a, a round thing, but it's cut into four quarters, so like a pizza or whatever. Mm-hmm. And between each corner or each piece, there's a little dial. I wonder what those do. I, <laughs> you know, like why are you? I don't you know. Be turning, tuning them for something, right? It's a worker placement mm. game. I mean, it looks like it looks cute. It just looks cute and fun to play. Yeah, I didn't see this game either, but this looks good. Yeah, I'd be down to play this for sure. That's my number three, Age of Rome. All right, my number three is a game I've been I waiting on for what feels like an eternity and i'm sure everyone who's listening to this that backed it feels the same way that's darwin's journey so you're re- retracing darwin's journey through the galapagos islands it's a worker placement adventure 
It's that Italian design group, Simone Luciani, Nestor Mangon. This game should be out. It's this should it's it's not. It's been feels like it's been sitting in limbo for what feels like an eternity, but I'm just super pumped about this game and this I'm just looks waiting. So cool. This is what I wanted it that does. other Darwin's game to be. The other one was really kind of boring. Well, and this is uh Thunder Thunder Griff Games. So I for the most part I really like a lot of their stuff. That's one of those publishers that I just kind of have a lot of faith in that they're going to do something. They did role player, Ten Penny Parks. Mm. You know, Kate May, I was a little eh on, but overall, like, it's still a pretty decent game. Yeah. It's got this, go- okay, I'll repeat myself. It's got gorgeous artwork, and, but it's unique. It's a unique style to the other games. Like, it's got this kind of old-fashioned style to it, which I really like. It fits yes. the theme, and it, it looks gorgeous. And, yeah, I, this is 100% at my alley. I didn't realize it was by the design team that you like so much. Yeah. I mean, Simone Luciani, mm-hmm. done. That's all you need. Put Throw that in a box and I'm buying it. You know, it's, but again, it's just been, it's been kickstarted so many, like years at this point, And I don't understand why it's not out yet. I mean, they send updates, but I don't, I don't listen to those. I like, I don't read emails that I don't need to read. I read enough emails at work. Mm-hmm. Matt, I should correct myself. I skim enough emails <laughs> at work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get it. So, but that is my number three, Darwin's Journey. All right. My number two, Scholars of the South Tigris. I actually didn't even look into this game. I was like, ooh, South Tigris, I'm in. 100%. <laughs> I don't even know anything about it. <laughs> It's got, oh, let me, oh, I guess I God. should read about it here. You got to get the most victory points by the end of the game. Points are gained by translating scrolls, increasing knowledge in various areas of science and math, influencing the guilds, and retiring translators after their years of faithful service. L- listen, okay, you know what? It doesn't matter. It's a, it, <laughs> it's a Shem Phillips game in the South Tigris series of games. It's, a, at this point, like, everyone's, everyone's this is on everyone's list i'm like yeah 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 i, I mean, mean I does it matter any... how you score points it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it's, it doesn't matter it doesn't we'll matter we'll figure it out when we get the game yeah, yeah. i am in <laughs> i will be buying it it is already mine not yet but i will it will be mine um doesn't matter are you more inclined to buy it because you you you're the one who bought wayfarers yeah so i'm gonna tell everybody i'll buy this one because then i'll have the collection you're going to do this trilogy? It was got a weight of 4.42 out of 5. So it's going to be another heavy one. The South Tigris ones are heavier, but I'm liking yes. them. All right. That's my number two, Scholars of the South Tigris. All right. My number two anticipated game of 23 is Scholars of the South Tigris. A hundred percent. I am in. the same number one then. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I doubt it. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean. Do you know more about a- it than I do? No, I don't. I you know what's funny? I know so little about this game. When I was doing my list, I saw that that was a thing, and I just I just threw it on there. Like I know I'm gonna want it. Like I doesn't even you don't even have to tell me what it's about, mm-hmm. and I'm in. Mm-hmm. It's it yeah. It that's uh Shem Phillips doing his Shem Phillips thing. So sign me up. I'm there. You know, as soon as, as soon as Natasha buys it and makes Jeremy read the rules to teach it to us, I'm in. <laughs> that's true. I don't. I did not. I will not be reading the rules. That's what happened with Wayfarers. We wanted to play it. And Natasha's like, I'll buy it. And Jeremy's like, I'll teach it. So he ended up reading the rules. <laughs> he's it. such a nerd. Uh, he's Yeah. He Well, I mean, he's a teacher. So he's the best teacher out of all of us. <laughs> no, I'm just oh, happy man. that he will do that for us. Because this is, this is tough, tough. It's, yeah, it is. All right. Okay. So that's that's, that's my number two. Yeah. Scholars of the South Tigris. All right. My number one is Trailblazers. This one we demoed at Origins and I loved it. It is a card game, uh, tile lane, but they're made out of cards. Um, So you just lay on these cards. But the the trick with it is that there's like three different paths you're trying to create. And the trick is that you can rotate the cards any way you want. They're like domino shaped where they're like two by one so they're different and they're not it's not going to be like a grid like a like a carcassonne grid it's going to be a grid that kind of is a wonky shape to it and i really liked it it was small um the cards are small portable easy to play it's a family game i this is an instant buy for me and i'm really excited about it 
I will tell you that this is on my short list, but it is not my number one. Wow, there's a lot of really good games coming out this year that we know about. Think about all the games we don't know about. I know that's what I'm saying. It, yeah, that game playing it. I think it's, I think it's a cool concept. I'm, I'm interested when it comes out to play it a little bit more. Hopefully, it's. It reminds me of like Carcassonne, but you're developing more roads. You know, it's just straight roads. Yeah. Yeah. But like different types of roads. And but the I think the twist of the being able to rotate the cards in different shapes. Oh, and you can also lay the cards over top of other cards. So if you have a better path, you can now manipulate it and change it. It's played over a few different rounds. It's really quite an interesting game with being just a simple tile laying game. Well, it's drafting. You're drafting all the, the cards to place. That's right. Your, yep. Yeah. So. Yeah, it uh the fact that you can place the card on top of cards that already exist, I think adds this unique element to it, takes it one step further. So now you're just not necessarily looking at your board in terms of where all your open spaces spaces are. You're looking at it of where does this card fit exactly the best. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's it's yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be a fun game for sure. I think a lot of people are going to like it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great family game. That's my number one that I'm most excited about, Trailblazers. All right. My number one game of 2023 that I'm excited for is Anunnaki, Dawn of the Gods. All right. Alien civilization among ancient human tribes. Do you know what the Anunnaki is? No, I've never or heard no. of it. It's, so it's like a, like a I don't want to say cryptid because it's not a cryptid, but it's basically the thought that like these aliens came down and like developed our society, basically. Oh, there's going to be a bunch of nerds that are just like, that's not right. And I'm my bad. OK, I'm not like I'm not super into Anunnaki, but I understand the concept. The biggest thing, Natasha, if you're looking at it right now, who's the number one designer listed on there? Simone Luciani. You know it. <laughs> and published by Cranial Creations. Yeah. I'm in. Sign me up. The The theme is cool. I, I do like that. Like the idea of the Anunnaki, I think, is an interesting like urban legend, myth, whatever you want to call it. The You're dealing with a bunch of miniatures. So I don't know if it's if you're doing a lot of like battling and stuff like that. I think it's I think it's supposed to be like a 4X Euro game set in like old, like ancient times. Ancient which civilization, seems... economic exploration, fighting game. There you go. Yeah, 4X so. Euro game. Well, dang. I kind of like the, well, liking the minis, too. They look cool. Yeah, they do look cool. It yeah. looks kind of cool. It looks yeah, big. I'm... Oh, it's a table hog. Yes. I don't even think it'd fit on your table. I'll make it fit. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> and the thing is, playtime is only an hour to two hours. So, oh. like, it's not going to be super long or it shouldn't be super long. So, yeah, this when I saw this, I was like, ooh, man. Did you back this on Kickstarter? Uh, I didn't know. If it was on Kickstarter, I didn't know about it. I wonder when it's coming then. I don't, it says 23. I don't know. Who knows, <laughs> man? Cranio Creations? Like, yeah, this this game looks cool. This looks real cool. I love, like, again, the theme kind of speaks to me. Yep. I'm really digging these, like, miniatures and just the overall aesthetic. Simone Luciani. Psst done are you kidding me wow sign me up we've Take got a lot money. to look forward to this year you know looking back at 22 and just the amount of good games that came out and just looking at 23 about the games we even know about like we list the games that we know about there's plenty of games like you said we don't even know what certain publishers are even going to do mm-hmm. so it's just it's such a good time to be in the board gaming industry right now yeah it's such a good time and the thing is like it's somewhat unfortunate is because of all the titles that are coming out. It can be very overwhelming for new players, mm-hmm. new people coming into the hobby. But it's such an exciting time because there's just so many good games. And there's so many games that are coming out that are, have unique themes that, you know, will interest people that normally wouldn't be into it. You know, you're getting away from trading in the Mediterranean. You're getting away from these like dry, boring Euro themes and like, you're doing a Euro game based on, you know, having a witch's coven. You're doing a Euro game based on, you know, unconscious mind. You're you're doing all these different things. The mm-hmm. Fox experiment. Even your generic fantasy one that you had listed at least looked cool. It looked like yeah. bright and colorful and fun instead of like dark and dreary, which I like. I like the brightness of these games. Yeah. yeah, I think Kickstarter is doing a lot for the artwork and the board gaming too. 
they they're making it more of an emphasis on those things to make sure like you got to make your game look good mm-hmm. you just got to it's un, it's inexcusable to make your game look bad nowadays yeah you know we i was we were having that conversation i was talking with those employees about ready set bet some of the other games we talked about like rio grande you know the space station phoenix mm-hmm. just the like the artwork is just and then like queen games you the thing is, Queen Games has such a, such a recognizable cover that you know it's a Queen Games. Mm-hmm. It's just 20 years old. Yeah. And it it needs looks, to be updated. They, their games look boring. And I've played a couple and they feel kind of boring. You know, when, you, when there's beautiful games out there, we have a lot of choices. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Please leave us a review and check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Send us your questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. See you next week.